buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 29. Today we're going to chat with Phil Schrader from Sig Sauer and our prank call Malcolm wants to buy German guns. And we're going to discuss the Jagaman magazines. Today's panel is Sean Heron and I'm Ava Flanell. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Uh, we're doing. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Phil? I'm great, thank you. Awesome. Glad. How are, how are you doing, Sean? I, fantastic. Thank you for asking. No one ever asks me how I'm doing. Okay. Well, now I'm asking. So. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one ever cares. Is what I meant to say. That's true. <laughs> All right, I love it. So before we get into the show, we should probably talk about our friends at... Manicore Arms. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ava, what, what do you want to say about Manicore Arms? No, what do you want to say? Uh, what do you want me to say? I mean, really, there's everything to say about them. Like, they're making parts for all kinds of different types of guns. Can you name five different ones right now? Uh, I can. Let's see. The AK, the AR. Yep. Uh, the Scorpion. Yep. Uh, the Bren. Yep, the Bren. Yep. Uh, the, is it Steyr Arms? Steyr. Steyr Og. Yeah, Steyr Og. Yep. yep. Uh. Devor X95. Oh. Just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You named five. Oh, okay. I was, I was just like, helping out. I was like, wait a minute, hold on, I know I have somewhere to go. <laughs> I was just helping out. Yeah, they make, uh, they make smart parts, basically, is what I like to call them, because, uh, when the Scorpion came out, there was a lot of problems with it. As far as the usability, in my opinion, but that was mainly because it was tested like overseas and people wore gloves a lot when they tested them. So when you get here to our lily white American hands, you know, the safety selector hurt and was uncomfortable. So Manicore Arms does things like that. They solve those kind of problems. Uh, the Tavor had a kind of a, a weird way that it sat on your shoulder. So they invented the curved butt pad. Um, and they just they make it look so much nicer as well. Yeah, really Like, good. not only are they ideal with, with what they're designing, but it also just, it, it makes the gun look much better, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. So, good design, great products, made in America by Americans, and I think that's always important, and mm-hmm. they have a coupon code for us, GUNFUNNY15, and how much does that give you off? 15% off. What's the website? It is manicorearms.com. Exactly. All right, let's get into the show and talk to our guest. Things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. All right, Phil. So I've met you a few times in person uh, at Shot Show. I don't know if yep. you remember me. I know you see a lot of faces. Um, one How of could the- I forget? Oh well, thanks. <laughs> um, so you started off in the firearm industry as a police officer, correct? Uh, I did. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how expansive my industry experience was. I'd really never shot a gun until uh, I became a police officer, so I uh, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with it. But uh, that's kind of got me into the into the spin of things. How long did you do that? Uh, I was a local uh, police officer, uh, just a local cop in a small city in Virginia for uh, about four years, and then went to the U.S. Capitol Police in D.C., and I was there for about 10. And it wasn't until my time at Capitol that I started becoming a shooter. Um, I was always kind of good at it for some reason. I don't know why or how, but... um, it was just something I, I picked up pretty quickly. And when I moved to Washington, D.C., I, uh, I started getting more time off. And there was a little bit more active shooting uh, scenario or uh, active shooting. It's hard, it's hard to put those two words together without sounding bad. <laughs> right. The more active environment of competitive shooting um, there. So I uh, started shooting a lot, a lot. started in um, – Started shooting in '97 pretty heavily, and um, you know the rest is history from there. I, uh, in a short amount of time, I became a grandmaster and then became com- a competitive grandmaster the next year. And um, since 2000, I've uh, I've been kind of near the top, or in some cases at the top of the sport. So it's been pretty cool. And um, yeah, and in that time, uh, the ten years I was a capital, I actually owned. 
a, a large shooting range and um, uh, indoor shooting range and gun store. So a little bit of everything around that time. Very cool. So going back to the USPSA stuff, so you started competing. And for people that don't know, USPSA has different uh, class levels based on qualifiers. And a qualifier is basically a pre-published um, course of fire that you have to shoot and you have to get certain times and enter in certain points. And based on that, you get classified, whether you're a C class, B class, A class, master or grandmaster, right? Correct. All right. So grandmaster is nothing to, nothing to, you know, spit at. That's, that's impressive, man. How did you get from like just starting just to, to there? Um, honestly, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't make a lot of money, uh, as a police officer back in the day. This was a long time ago. This was, well over 20 years ago. Um, so there wasn't a lot of internet access and a lot of access to um, online uh, videos and uh, there was no Facebook or social media. It was a much simpler time, but uh, but you had to kind of go to matches and see what people were doing. But in that case, I had to dry fire a lot. I dry fired a lot, uh, which basically means practicing the mechanics of shooting without actually pulling the trigger on live ammo. Now I did shoot when I could, but usually only at matches. Um, but yeah, I just dry fired every single day. And, um, again, I, I picked it up pretty quickly and I just had some, uh, the weird innate ability to be able to shoot pretty well without practicing a lot. So of the, I mean, making grandmaster was difficult. I actually did it with, a. I did it back in the day when it was there was only two divisions. It was open division and limited division. There was no single stack. There was no production, no revolver, none of that crap. It was two divisions, open and limited. Nice. And I actually um, shot a Colt 45 with 10-round mags in limited against all the STIs and pair ordinances because I was an idiot. I didn't know any better. <laughs> I, I bought the wrong gun. I, well, the problem is I went to a match as a, as a rookie. I got my ass kicked by a guy who had a Colt 45, so I just had to assume, like everyone does, it's the gun. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. not the guy. So I went and bought a Colt 45, and then I got my ass kicked for not buying the right equipment. So <laughs> I was bound and determined to make Grandmaster with a Colt 45 and limited, and I did, and uh, just by practicing a lot. Now, I didn't – I was – being a Grandmaster and being a top shooter are two way different things because there are a lot of Grandmasters out there now. Because you know now it's just a matter of you shoot enough classifiers and you and you push hard enough and you you roll the dice you're going to make grandmaster you just got to shoot a lot, but uh, to be a top level one to be someone who's always in contention to win, that's um, that's a little bit different and it took me about a year to get from meeting my goal of making grandmaster to being someone who could you know compete at a at a high level so um, it was it was a lot of work but I am kind of spoiled in that it didn't. I didn't require as much work at it as a lot of people do. I haven't. I don't have blisters on my hands, and I, I didn't shoot. I can't say I've shot a million documented rounds as some people do. I just, I don't know. I'm like an idiot savant, I guess, of shooting. <laughs> I don't understand it. So, but, you know, I'll keep. And that's the thing is, it's hard to really get motivated to practice because I've said to said this to other top shooters before who have asked me why I don't practice. I said, well, if I practiced every day then, yeah, I'd have a, a little bit better chance of, of winning, I guess, or finishing in the top 2%. But what if I never shoot and I finish in the top 4% or win a match here and there? So I'm just spoiled, and they don't like me for it. But uh, Phil, I'm, you're just, I'm kind of busy now anyway. I don't have time to practice. You're an inspiration so. to lazy people everywhere. Right. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just be lazier. Just don't practice. It'll be fine. I love that. I've been doing that, and I'm a C-class shooter, so it's no problem. Perfect. Perfect. It's it's all about knowing yourself. And you know where you're at. Love it. So from there, from uh, becoming a police officer, what were your next steps? Well, let's see. Um, I did 10 years with Capital. Uh, I sold my business, um, and my wife and I, uh, during that time at Capital Police, I was married. And, uh, so my wife and I basically decided we don't really, you don't need to work for capital anymore. So I was approached by, um, the U S shooting Academy who had actually, uh, employed one of my previous competitive shooters who used to shoot for me named Mike Seeklander. Um, and I mean, I had a hell of a good team team shooters paradise was Seeklander, BJ Norris, who some may have heard of, uh, Julie Goloski, who's now Julie Golub, 
she won't admit that she shot for me, but she did for a whole year. <laughs> um, who else? Megan Francisco, who was a national champion. Ron Francisco is his wife, uh, her her husband. Uh, so yeah, it was a good 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 group of people. Eric Lund, Todd Sindelar. We had a whole bunch of shooters. But Eric, uh, Mike Seeklander was approached by U.S. Shooting Academy, and I told him, "Look, man, if they're giving you a great deal, go for it." And then after I sold Shooters Paradise, they contacted me, and I just started consulting for them. And it was it was a good gig. I enjoyed it. It uh, there, were, there was this um, eccentric um, new money millionaire who wanted to build this awesome range and surround himself with all the coolest shooters. And um, you know, it was a it was it was a faulted business plan, but it was. It was interesting to be able to build a range from the ground up and have a hand in it, and and I guess they say be a part of something bigger than yourself, and it was neat. And uh, so I shot for them for a while. I, I did a two year contract with them. Um, kind of saw the writing on the wall, knew it wasn't really going to uh, pan out, and it didn't. Um, and I started teaching on my own. I started do. Uh, I started my own business called Straighter Solutions. S T R A I G H T R. Play on words. <laughs> and. Um, did pretty well with that and really enjoyed it. And then um, I got a call out of the blue from Remington to uh, to work for Remington Defense, and that was that was kind of my my first real steps into the uh, the industry of shooting not not shooting sports per se, but the actual industry. You know, working for a, a gun company. So that's kind of how that transitioned. Nice. So going back to competition shooting for a little while, lots of politics there, and you, you served some time as a, a, a leader in the USPSA organization. Can you tell us about that? I did. Um, I was uh, I was actually elected uh, the area as the area four director. So basically, the USPSA it's it's a very large organization. Um, it's the, basically the governing body of competitive shooting. Um, it started out as uh, as IPSC. And it became a little too racy for some of the uh, originating members, so they split, and um, they uh, US, IPSC became USPSA on one side and an IDPA on the other. And um, so, as the sports have grown, USPSA is sort of the um, you know it's kind of the where it all started. And and I was elected Area Four Director when I lived in Oklahoma, and I decided I was going to run for president. And uh, Mike Voigt had been uh, the president for three terms. And, um, you know, I just I just wanted to do it to see if I could do it. It was uh, it seemed like a challenging job. And uh, at the time, Mike had it. Uh, Mike Voigt, Mike Voigt had it. It was uh, it was a part time position. And uh, and I, I I got elected in 2011, took office in 2012 and. And I did it for one term, and it although it was a part-time salary, it really wasn't a part-time job. It couldn't be. It wasn't able to be run that way. I mean, um, between Remington full-time and, and USPSA, which was supposed to be kind of part-time, it didn't turn out that way. I just couldn't do it all. And at the time, you know, my future at Remington looked pretty good. So I said, okay, I'm going to step down from USPSA. I'm going to put all my uh, all my time into the Remington basket and uh, right before my term was up, Remington let, let me go <laughs> along oh, with like 200 other people. Wow. So within a matter of uh, two months, I went from two jobs to no, no jobs. So uh, yeah, it was an interesting time, but I had a great time. I, I, uh, it was, it's a very difficult position. It's very, uh, it's very difficult to toe the line between, Especially now with social media taking off the way it has, it's very, it's very difficult to toe the line between what you can respond to, how to respond, and and when to know when not to. And um, you know, of course, according to the internet people, I didn't respond nearly as much as I should have. But <laughs> uh, the internet is the internet pr- uh, comprised of about two hundred members of the twenty seven thousand. So. But unfortunately, they were the vocal bunch, and that's who the uh, a lot of people seem to, team, seem to uh, pay attention to. But um, but now, you know, Foley's in charge now. He's uh, he was elected. Um, I think he he uh, it came down to him and uh, Emmanuel Bragg, and Foley was elected, and he's uh, he's now taking it on as a full time job. Um, he's earning a full time salary, so 
he's uh, he's got his hands full for sure. Yeah, I've heard that uh, kind of being in USPSA leadership is about seventy three percent listening to whining. Would you say that's fairly yeah. accurate? Yeah, I mean, the, the good thing about Mike is he 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 addresses it. I mean, he addresses it to a fault, in my opinion, but he is not afraid to get on his computer and post things. <laughs> right. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So it's just you know, it's a public it's a it's a it's a nonprofit organization, so it's um it's not easy to run like you would want to run a business, but you know, he's got a tough job and I don't I don't judge him for doing things right or wrong because there's going to be mistakes made no matter who you are. So mm-hmm. uh, I wish him all the best and uh you know, We'll see how it pans out next next election. And no, I'm not running again. So. <laughs> I've gotten that question a number of times, and I'm not going to do that. You're like, nah, nah, that's good. No, I'm good. So now you're at SIG, and what is I your am. position there? Uh, I I started out as the uh, pistol product manager for polymer line guns, so 320s and anything else that was coming out, like 365. Um, and as of this year, I have now, uh, absorbed all the handgun line. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm staying even busier now than I, I literally just got home and I, I got your email and I was like, oh shit. You forgot, <laughs> right? I was thinking that I'm like, you probably already forgot. <laughs> no, I did. I completely did. I was, I was literally, I, my wife said, when are you coming home? I got dinner ready. And I, I sat got, sat down at the dinner table and I realized, shoot, I've got I've got uh, I gotta be on a radio show, so you guys go ahead and eat without me. <laughs> oh man, Aww. that's awful. That's no, okay. So she she loves me. She doesn't mind. So when you took over uh, Six Hour as the pistol product manager, um, what what uh, job experience kind of did you have that kind of brought you there? Uh, we talked a little bit about Remington, but then there was a little bit of a gap from that point. Well, you know. That's a question I asked them when they when they approached me about the job. Um, I didn't apply for it. They actually called me um, and, and asked me if I wanted to to interview for it. So it was it was really flattering um, because basically a, a pistol product manager is is I, I equate it to let's say let's take the P three sixty five for example. This is a perfect example. So. I would be that duck gun's dad. So you're there when the gun's born. You think about having the baby, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, we should have a baby. What what kind of baby would I like to have? Well, I want a baby that doesn't have crossed eyes, and, you know, I want it to be a nice baby. So you come up with this idea of having a baby, and then you birth the baby, which is very difficult. You know, birthing is a difficult thing. Like, it's kind of like equivalent to a launch, there can be problems like, you know, your kid's got webbed toes and you got to get that shit taken care of. Or they got to, you know, they've got other issues going on. So that's kind of the birthing of it. So we birthed the 365 and, you know, there's some hiccups and we had the, you know, their, their cleft palate or whatever, you know, that we had it fixed. But so you, you, so you birth the baby and then you watch the baby grow and you determine, you know, when, you know, you send it to school and you send it off to college and you watch it get married, and you watch it. But at some point, you gotta like, okay, th- this kid is is getting kind of long in the tooth. He's not doing very well, so maybe it's time to kill this thing. Eugenics. And then you, <laughs> yeah, and then you bury the baby. So it's you. You basically you're managing the entire life cycle of the gun. So you, you birth it, and you work, and you work with the teachers who, let's say, call them engineers. You work with teachers pretty closely to make sure your baby's taken care of. And you work with, you know, everyone that's involved with the gun, be it marketing or sales, because, you know, you got to get this kid into college, so you got to sell it. And, you know, there's a lot of things involved, and I am basically the overseer of of that process. So I watch the baby and, and, and keep, t- keep track of it, and if there's something wrong with it, then I fix it. Um, and if there's something that happens and it needs to be taken care of, or if there's a marketing uh, direction we want to go, then I have to kind of manage that. So I have hands in everything, and I have to know the industry as well. So basically, all those things are involved. They looked at my past and said, okay, this here's a guy. He was a police officer, so he knows that line of work. He was a professional shooter. Okay, he's got that down. He knows the guns. He knows how to use them. He shot, he shot for Smith & Wesson. He shot... 
for a number of companies. He shot a different, a whole lot of different kinds of guns. So he knows the industry. He knows the product. He also ran a business. He had a large uh, shooting range that he owned for three years, and he sold it and made a lot of money. So he kind of knows how to run a business. And he also was president of a large organization, so he's managed people. And so I think they saw all of that. And, and of course, they saw that I was with Remington. And I think they said, well, this is a pretty well-rounded guy, and he can do a little bit of everything. Now, I don't do one thing really well, but I do a lot of stuff okay. And it seems to have worked out. I mean, the big thing is, my biggest thing is, I have to make sure that we, if we introduce products, let's say the X5, I had my hands deep in that, or the X Carry. Yep. Um, when we release a gun, it's up to me or it's up to the product manager of that line to ensure that this is something that everyone would want, you know, and that's where my shooting experience comes in or my experience with other firearms. I can look at other guns and say, that's awesome. That sucks. I love that about it. I hate that about it. And I can take all those things and put them together and come out with what's a really cool package. And the X carry is a great example of that. That gun is awesome. And of course the 365, that was a, that was just, you know, us seeing a gap in the market and filling it. And, you know, I had a chance to put my little, you know, my little hands in there and, and make some adjustments and change a few things. And I think it worked out. The gun shoots really well. I'm really happy with it. Very cool. So, I mean, obviously Sig Sauer is very well respected in the industry. Uh, you guys saw a ton of guns. I know people who would trade their children for Sig Sauer's and things like that. But definitely been yeah. a t- been a tough couple of years for you guys, like internally, and we don't need to like talk about all the drama with the the P three twenty and all that good stuff. But like internally, what kind of pressure does that put on you guys that kind of work uh, on these products? Well, it, it's not it's not easy. Um, but the, here's the real problem. Okay, so frankly, I can tell you that. I I know that we we take our we take our business very seriously and we take our customers' concerns very seriously and this is one of the the only companies that I've ever seen that is so fast to react to situations. So uh, it, it is always stressful when something happens and you know when we saw the the three twenty drama unfold, we knew this was going to be something we would address. And we also knew it was going to be an expensive fix uh, overall, you know, just, you know, as far as re- refitting everything, bringing guns back in, sending them back out. We knew it was going to be an expensive venture, but our stress can, can easily be overcome by our passion. And our passion is to make sure that the right stuff and the, and the right fixes get back out to the customers. And we test, I mean, we, you wouldn't believe the stuff we test. If one tiny thing changes on the gun, we shoot thousands of rounds to it can be anything we threw thousands of rounds to 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 ensure that it's the fix worked and uh so as stressful as developments like 320 drama or even the 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 less than four percent of the returns we got on the first batch of 365s the problem is that four percent of people they they like to post stuff and videos and pictures and that kind of thing which is great, and it helps. Um, but what, the, the, what the, the message that doesn't go out is, you know, there's also, you know, 1,522 other people out there, don't, just making up a number, who haven't had issues, but they're not posting. I mean, when's the last time you bought a freaking stereo and you went to read the reviews or a thermostat or a, whatever, and you read the reviews, do you read all the positive shit? No, you look to see if somebody had a problem and you find the negative stuff and see if it's a repetitive thing. And that's, yeah. that's what we do. And it, and in our case, we don't look at it as, you know, just another, you know, moron who, you know, is, is, think, is having alleged problems. We take it seriously and we look for patterns and we take them back to uh, our R and D department and we see if we can replicate it. And if we can, you know, we fix it. And so with, a, and the three sixty five is a perfect example. We had some return to battery issues, uh, the front sight was the first issue that we, we that came up, and because of our customer feedback, we realized, well, wow, this is a systemic issue. So we looked at it and realized that we had a bad batch of sights from our sight, sight vendor. So 
that, that was an easy fix because we had actually already tested the gun with the, the X-Ray 3. So it was, luckily, we had a fix already in hand for that. Um, but the return to battery thing started happening, and we tried to um, replicate it. And in some cases, we were able to. So we dove, dove deep dove deep into that issue and found some easy solutions and we're able to, what was a 10 day turnaround? We, we, we halted things for 10 days and started shipping back out. So our reaction to, to, to such issues and drama has become um, second to none. We respond quickly. And that's one of the great things about this company is, is people who know the industry, they know how serious we are about making things right. I think. So I I was one of the people who had the the P365 and when I shot it um I did post a video cuz I did not have any luck shooting the gun and I've been shooting for 5 years so I'm not that much of a newbie. Um and you contacted me and you said okay send it back and I did receive the so it, it shows we'll go into that later we're not going to go over your target just yet. So it says that you guys replaced the barrel, the extractor spring, safety lock spring, recoil spring assembly, and then you installed the x-ray sights. Um, so I wonder, you know, because, and it does, like, Sean and I, we looked at the videos that I posted, and we have this little thing where we could see if I'm limp it, and I was limp it. You know, for a smaller gun, it is a little bit difficult not to. But yeah. I would say that... In a situation, like in a self-defense situation, somebody's in panic mode, they may not have a firm grip. I mean, wouldn't that be kind of a concern? That yeah, it- and that's that's why we addressed it. I mean, it wasn't, and that's what I, that was my reaction to to the naysayers within our ranks and some of the naysayers. I, you have to understand that I, I, there's a lot of times where I want to post things. I want to post a response to a lot of the concerns and to the misperceptions out there. But you have to understand, I mean, you guys understand, but a lot of your listeners and readers and everything don't understand that when I speak, unfortunately, this is the case, but because of the position I'm in and because of the notoriety of this gun, when I speak, it's basically, this is six hour talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, Definitely. And everything I post is susceptible for someone to post, cut, and paste, and then usually misinterpret mm-hmm. anywhere they want. So I, I want to respond to a lot of the people, but I, but I don't. But to get back to your uh, to get back to your question, yes, that was my main concern. Is look, we we want be people to be able to. We don't ever really want to design around a shooting problem. But mm-hmm. with that said, like, and I'll give you an example, like the Sig two two six. So the slide catch lever on that gun is behind the decock lever. But a lot of people, the way they hold guns, especially 1911 shooters, they'll they'll ride that slide, let slide catch lever. Yeah. So a lot of times on two, yeah. So a lot of times on two two sixes, two two eights, classic line guns, a lot of folks uh, have failed to slide lock issues because they're riding the slide catch lever. That's a shooter problem, and I, I would never redesign that pistol to address that shooter problem. But to to your point, if someone gets a pistol and they're either learning to shoot or they're becoming better at shooting or like you said they don't they don't have the opportunity to get a great grip on the gun or even worse they're having to shoot at you know in a retention position and the guns maybe the slides maybe rubbing against their shirt and dragging a little bit if it's all if that's all it takes for the the slide to not go into battery then it's something we want to address and that's what that's that was kind of our 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 outlook on it say so look we want this gun to not just be the ultimate badass shooter's gun. We want it to be able to, for anybody to be able to pick up and shoot, even if their grip may be a little off or they may be in a situation where they can't grip the gun as well as they would like. And so that was the reason we, we addressed the issue. So you're, you're right in that respect is you're not always going to be able to get a perfect grip on the gun. You're going to have to shoot one handed or, or half handed or whatever the case may be. So you're, so you're totally right with that. Engineering wise, what was the specific problem that you guys fixed? I saw you replaced a bunch of parts, but kind of what did you guys find in your testing? That was leading to this this behavior. Well, there were there were a number of things. Um, you know, simple. I mean, it's just gunsmithing one hundred and one. If you've got a gun that's having a hard time going into battery, the first thing you want to change, obviously, or you'll look at is uh, the guide rod, the guide rod spring. But you can't make it too heavy because mm-hmm. then you're not going to get a full slide travel. So then you're going to have failed to lock backs, or you're going to have short strokes. 
you know, because the slide's not going to full length of travel, and especially on a gun this small. Yeah. So we had to make sure that we didn't go too heavy, um, but heavy enough to where we, we, we got that extra assist. The safety catch lever spring, that's debatable as to whether or not that makes a difference, but it's just – but lightening that just a tad also will address – you know, that's just one less thing to drag for the slide to drag on. Um, the big change, in my opinion, was the extractor spring. So uh, the extractor tension on this gun was really, really tight. And one of the things we noticed when we were um, testing the gun was because of the violence of the slide and because of the, um, the, the, the way the gun shot, our extractor springs uh, would, would, I wouldn't say fail, but they would, they would st- we would start seeing extraction issues um, after like 5,000 rounds. And... And that's, that's not horrible, but it's still not good enough for me. So we looked at heavier extractor springs, and um, we actually got good results out of heavy extractor springs. But when you heavy up that extractor spring, that means when that round is feeding up on the breech face, and that extractor is pushing even harder the, against the side of the breech face. So that means the, the chamber, you know, it doesn't want to chamber as easily. Mm-hmm. So we found a, a, a very, very um, – interesting way of fixing the extractor spring we actually put um, a, a a piece of rubber material in the extractor spring it's very similar to uh, and this isn't proprietary information because we'll be teaching armors classes very soon but we basically put a, a rubber grommet in the spring some similar to what you would see in a uh, an ar-15 uh, extractor spring yeah as a little so we did that and um and it, it made the extractor spring last way but way longer. But it's possible, and I can't say this for sure, but you know, this is just me talking to you guys. It's possible that um, that may have created even more extractor tension. So um, I think lessening that extractor spring tension really had a positive effect on getting that round to feed up in them. Because uh, one of the things I didn't like about the gun so much is, uh, like a lot of people load the gun and they press check. Although this one you don't really have to because it has a, a loaded chamber indicator on the top of the slide, mm-hmm. but if you press check the gun, it would you'd have to you know, get, push it back in the battery. So with the new extractor spring, a lot of the guns you can press check them and they just pop right back in. So I think the extractor spring had the most um, had the most influence on getting that gun to improve. Um, but it was a little. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a combination of everything because it's funny how all of a sudden the 365 owners page and 365 page and Sig talk page. All everyone's gone radio silent since the guns have been shipping back out because apparently <laughs> everything works because we haven't gotten any. You know, nothing's lighting. You know, the grid's not lighting up. So, um, and the barrel, the barrel fix was easy. It was a cosmetic thing with the barrel peening, but the tolerance stack was pretty high. Mm-hmm. And if it was slightly out of tolerance, it was just basically peening itself into tolerance. So it was just a matter of putting relief cuts on those little two areas that we're wearing and. That was an easy fix, um, but that didn't have anything to do with the the, the malfunctions we were seeing, the failed batteries. So, but it was it wasn't a hard fix. It was just, and if we could have gotten guns shipping out the next day, that would have been great. But you know, you have to think of Sig as a aircraft carrier, and you just can't flip a UE on a freaking battleship. You know, yeah, you gotta, definitely. It takes a time to turn that ship and to get around, and to, especially when you got what. Th- thousands of guns sitting on the shelf that mm-hmm. all have to have all the new parts put in and new, have the barrels reworked. And, you know, it was a lot of work. So um, the fact that we did it in 10 days astounded me. Our people out there are unbelievable. Absolutely. That's that awesome. was I was definitely impressed with that. All right. So now about your targets. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. So. <laughs> all right. So you included two targets in the box when you guys sent mm-hmm. the gun back and yep. uh, signed target. Uh, one of it says, "Hope she works better for you." <laughs> so a part of me, a part of me was thinking, "All right, this is well played," because you tested this gun and you were like, "Hey, it works for me. If it doesn't work for you, it's totally user error." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." Did I write that on there? <laughs> you uh, didn't write that. You just said, "Hope she works better for well, you." <laughs> it says that between the lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no, so I, a part of me I was literally thinking, and. Um... And I knew you had issues because I actually was forwarded your video uh, by someone at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I'm, I'm extremely familiar with every issue that's going on with this gun. Trust me, I get 
email after email, phone call, Facebook message. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff I'm getting. But um, but I did get your video, and I said, well, you know, I am going to talk to to everyone there, so I may as well give her some personal attention. And uh, it was just a fun opportunity to go out there and and check the gun and see how well it shoots. And I think it shoots pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it did. Forty five feet, um, not bad so at all. For anybody who can see this video, let's see. Move it so that. And at first, I was like, "All right, well, my targets actually look a little bit better than yours, but this is actually from 15 yards, so that's pretty yeah. good." Um, but my main that was, concern that was pretty. I, I shot it really quick, so yeah, I shot I shot mine pretty quick too. My main concern is: <laughs> Would you? Is this was this your um, way of saying that you want a signed target from me? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just wondering. I don't I know if this a, is if that's like proper, you know. Since I'm, you sent I'm sure me a I could sign, find a place on my wall. Because <laughs> my targets, they weren't so bad, right? Like I sent you, they were really good. I sent you a, a picture of my target, and I was like, "All right, it works." Yeah. So, no, that was, that was, that was but was very, I had a, I, uh, I had a laugh I will, at you, including the target. Make sure that, let's go on record that to everyone that I will not be sending a signed target to just anybody. Just anybody. So All right. So don't you... call me or text me or <laughs> Facebook message me or anything asking for a signed target because it's probably not going to happen. So I just thought that would be so funny basically, for you to talk about. It was basically, we're going to have to we're going to have to frame this target. These two targets. Okay. All right. Cool. We can do that. We'll uh, we'll post it. <laughs> we'll post it on social media. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> now you've done it. Now I'm going to have. Hey man, you couldn't have shot any better with your. <laughs> I no, that's actually were... that's pretty good though. Fifteen yards, because you and yeah. I'm so over. I shot mine at five yards, and it's like, and people even then, you know, I just shot it pretty quickly. the The top target, uh, the top right was my first, and I was kind of getting used to the sights. And then the top left was the second, but even then, I had some jerk who's like, "I could shoot better than that," and I was like, "Oh wow, let's let's get a round of applause for this guy. He can shoot better." Because you know, there's always <laughs> there's always people out there that have to say something. Everyone, yeah, everyone's an expert. I mean, lucky I for it. you though, I work for myself, so I can kind of say whatever I want. <laughs> I can talk yeah. shit back, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I, I can sometimes. I just have yeah. to do it. I have to do it within reason, but uh, you know, it, all I need is an angry phone call to my boss, and then I get the riot act read to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I, not exactly what you would call politically correct, unfortunately. Well, I do think that you're um, you're a really nice stand up guy. Um, I was actually just talking about you to uh, David Wright. Is he the one that shot your bag, Old Blue? Uh, Brandon Wright. Brandon, Brandon Wright. <laughs> okay. Is he the one who shot your bag? Is that he, the reason why is, you have to... Is. Oh, you saw my bag post? Wasn't that yeah. sad? Yeah, it's really sad, but it kind of looks like you needed a new bag, so I don't think it's that sad. <laughs> it yeah, was really was, uh, old. Did you get to see it? Old, no. But it was so perfect. It was a perfect size. It could fit anywhere. Yeah, I was talking to him, and I told him, I think that you are definitely a stand-up guy. Um, even, I mean, even watching you at SHOT Show and having to give interview after interview, I have to hand it to you. I have no idea how you have the patience to do that. I, it's just, you know, and then well, repeating the same I, I thing love, over and over. And But you do you do an excellent I really job. Do. I love my job, and I love the product, and I love the industry. And I've, you know, I, I, I can't complain. I've got the best job in the world, so I love doing it. So what's next for Seg? Uh, or this is it? You guys just you guys just created a baby, and of course nobody you know that's not enough. We're always like, all right, what's next? When's the next kid coming out? <laughs> yeah, well, there's you know all babies have siblings. This is I think this is going to be like the you know you have you have like you have a scientist, and then their brother is a doctor. And then they have a brother or sister that's kind of like the booger eater of the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There might be a couple of those, unfortunately. But this will definitely be the standout. This will be the one that goes to, like, walks on the moon, the 365. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, but now there's always going to be siblings out there. Um, I'm working on a few things. I'm going to launch um, a really – I'm trying to get something together that's so cool for a SHOT Show next year. Um, I, I wish I could talk about it. It's um, let me give a good tease out. Oh, how can I tease it? Um, I think it's I think it's cooler than the X carry. Dang! Say that. Wow. So yeah, 
It's going to be really neat. But I've got, I'm working on that. I'm working on something else. It's, uh, it's going to be, it'll, I don't want to say it will do to the polymer industry, polymer handgun industry what the 365 did to the carry industry, but it could. Dang. Yeah. So you so, know, you realize that every single product you guys put out for like the next year, I'm going to write a headline that's like, is this the booger eater? <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Yeah. Which kid is this? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I'm excited for, for next year. I'm always, um, I'm trying to, our boss, um, the guy, our CEO, he's really, really bright guy, super sharp. And he, he keeps me on my toes because he's always thinking ahead. So the only way I can guarantee that I'll still work for SIG is I got to be a step ahead of him. I got to try to be. Um, so I'm always thinking three, four years down the road, the progression, how I want to see the progression of things. So um, I've got a, I've got a lot of really neat ideas, but every idea has to have, you know, we're a big company and we're, you know, it's about money and we got to make money and every idea I have, I have to, you know, put a business case and a return of invest, return on investment uh, you know, predictions. And, you know, my job is a lot like, you know, a, a fortune teller. I have to look in a crystal ball and decide what do I think is going to be successful. And so far I've been, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm riding high and I'm, 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 I haven't rolled any snake eyes yet. So hopefully I can keep the, uh, keep the, keep the, keep it going. We'll see. That's awesome, man. I think in, in life, a lot of people are dreamers. A lot of people are doers. And it sounds like Sig Sauer has found one who does both in you, man. So that congrats on your success. It's, re- it's really awesome to see. Well, thank you. All right. So um, you can stay with us if you want. Or you uh, could go eat dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel bad. <laughs> I am kind of hungry. Okay. Well, we, I mean, we, we won't take offense to it because uh, hangry is a real thing. Trust uh, me. Yeah, God. <laughs> if anyone knows it, it's me. <laughs> it says the fat kid <laughs> says the guy who has the hangry person right there to the right yeah i get it but we appreciate well, it's great you talking out. with you guys i appreciate you having me on and i'm uh i'm happy to, to talk anytime awesome sounds great man thank Thanks you very so much. much have a nice evening enjoy your weekend too all right take care <laughs> bye phil bye-bye so really um i asked him to get off because uh, I don't want you to embarrass yourself with this prank call <laughs> because I feel bad. Like you embarrass yourself in front of all of our guests. You know, here's the thing is I got to be, you know, the, the top guy all the time. So it's nice just to make a fool out of myself. Yeah. Well, everybody needs a fool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess that's my cue. Here we go. <laughs> It's time for prank, prank, prank. Every time. I just don't even understand it. And there you go. It's so annoying. It's nothing I'm doing. It's time for prank calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! What? (laughs) God damn it. Here we go. Thank you for calling Mass Farm and Track of Boat Center. This is Sarah. How am I direct to call? Uh, To the firearms, please. Okay, one moment. Thank you. Fast for hunting department, this is Jake. Uh, hello, I, I was looking for some advice on firearms, please. Okay, what can we do for you? Well, first off, this is a very difficult call for me to make, so if I get a little bit choked up, I would just like you to know uh, a little bit of the background. See, I'm from a Jewish heritage, and uh, I have decided that it's time to stop being victimized by history. And basically, I would just like to own some firearms that are like German-based, something like that, just so that I can have control over them. Um, so is there anything in the store that you might have that, that was used to oppress the Jews at some point? Um, no, I don't have any firearms like that. Uh, no German firearms at all? No, I do not. No, like no Lugas, nothing like that? No, I sure don't. Uh, what, what kind of guns do you have then? Um, I mean, we carry, we carry, you know, most of the, the modern stuff. We don't have any real, any of the collectible type stuff. Um. Well, or anything used I, or anything like that. It doesn't so. even need to be collectible, really. Just, uh, you know, like guns made in Germany by the, the hands of those no. dirty Germans, like uh, maybe a Walther or something like that. You don't got those? Uh, we, we have we have uh, some of the Walther P-22s. Uh, P-22, uh, is that it? 22, 22 handgun. Uh, but I doubt that was used to kill any Jews. Okay. 
no. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to get into that. I mean, I'm here to sell guns and not talk about, um, you know, you're making me a little bit uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> well, trust me. How do you think I feel, sir? Uh, well, you know, I'm not, we're not going to get into it. So if you want to, I mean, What about the brownings? Do you have brownings? I, n- I definitely know my people will put down with those. We, we, we have brownings, but they are, they're all, uh, most of the brownings are... All the brownies are, yeah, American-made now for the most part. They're made in America now? They're, they're, they're infiltrating over here and trying to take over my home? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, who, who would you recommend I call to find some of these guns that may have put down some of the people in my family? Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would recommend maybe some smaller shops that may carry, you know, some of these more uh, specialized type guns, like maybe Magnum. Uh, what's it? Uh, Magnum Shooting Center. Um, or... I believe it's Springs, uh, what's it called? Springs Armory, I believe, is a little small shop uh, here in town. And you think they may have something specialty, that's what I'm looking special, for? Specialty sports, you might try them. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yep, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know where I come up with this stuff. That was like so spur of the moment, too. It was just so inappropriate. I love it. He <laughs> got so ungo. Uh, to be honest, but you're making me uncomfortable. Thing. I don't understand. Like, they don't have H and K? Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like every gun store has HK. <laughs> he just didn't he didn't want to talk about uh, putting he, my people. He I was think really uncomfortable. I honestly think his parents were German and they were responsible for putting down some of our people, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my goodness, you're right. We better call him back up I'm and gonna call get him. him on the phone and we'll be like, "We don't remember your name, but we made we we called you like last week and we talked to you about the German guns and uh I mean, we we have his name. We recorded it. Oh, he said his name? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, yes, hello, Eric. <laughs> Eric, please. Look, Eric. I did the research. I know you got the HK. Now let's just talk about killing Jews <laughs> and bringing these guns in. That's all I'm trying to say. Wait, killing Jews? What? No. Did I say that? Yes. Oh, well, I guess uh, I guess I, my internal voice turned into my external voice. Apparently. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess uh, at this point. Can what? we can we edit that out? No. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Yeah, right. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. And for the record, you're Jewish. Obviously, you're alive, so I'm not interested in killing uh, people of that heritage. All right, well, just stop backtracking and talk (laughs) about your product. All right, so my product. This is probably going to be our last show. I thought you were going to talk about these. No, you are. Do you remember the time you called Aaron? Uh, what was it? Oh, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> All right. No, when I was on We Like Shooting, I called Aaron, a Jew boy. And and somebody got really upset. Yep. And they yep. contacted all my advertisers. Yep. And they said that they were no longer going to listen to the show. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what is the big deal? Like, Aaron is Jewish and he's a boy. And so call you- you and I'm it. and I'm Jewish. And our guest that night was also Jewish, and he wasn't mad. So, and I'm like, and a Jew boy? I don't understand. Like, if I call you a white boy, is that offensive? Holy moly, <laughs> you have gone too far, my lady. <laughs> Let's talk about these Jagamin. These are Jagamin 17 magazines, pistol mags. No, they're not 17. They're 17 They are round. called Jagamin 17s. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. You want to try okay. again? <laughs> I'm all there. 17 rounds. No, they're okay. not even 17 rounds. Literally nothing you've said has been true. <laughs> How many rounds are they? They're Okay. Here's the thing. They go to 18. So oh. the standard Glock mag goes to 17, but these, these go to 11. They, uh, they, they go to they 11. Ho- well, they hold 18, but it's a spinal tap reference. Okay. I'm like, you're really confusing me right now. <laughs> this show and It's the Jagamin 17s and they go to 11, but they hold 18 rounds, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, proceed. All right. So they're basically polymer magazines. Um, some differences that I've seen. Well, first off, they come in a bunch of different colors. We've got Coyote, we've got uh, Wolf Gray, and we've got, uh, I don't know. Uh, red. Minstrel Red. Killer Red. <laughs> Killer Red. Red is dead. Perfect. Got it. So, yes, polymer Glock 17 magazines, they are extended. They have a little bit of an extended base pad. I did measure, or I'm sorry, I, I did weigh them before the show because I was kind of, they feel light compared to a standard Glock magazine. And sure enough, I, w- I was right. So, the standard Glock mag weighs about 2.73 ounces. And uh, these come in at just right over two ounces. So, 2.04, something like that. But I think that's because that entire thing is polymer. 
Yeah, the entire thing is polymer except for obviously the spring inside and where the normal Glock mag has the, the metal feed lips, these have plastic feed lips. So I have shot them. They fed and functioned fine. Um, they drop freely from, from the magwell, and I didn't have any problems whatsoever. Um, they're fairly aesthetically pleasing. Um, but I, I do have concerns about longevity and things like that. You talk about a standard Glock mag. I looked them up on Brownells before the show. They were running about 25 bucks uh, plus shipping. And the Jagaman 17, and they also have the Jagaman 43, the Jagaman 19, the Jagaman 42, just all kinds of different. Uh, I have the 42s. Yeah. And how much, how much do they retail for? They sell it in the, uh, Natchez Shooter Supply. So. And for they how were much? Thirteen ninety four each. Calm 13, down. I'm trying to 13. say it. Thirteen ninety four. Yeah, thirteen dollars wow. ninety four cents each. Thirteen ninety four. Yeah, I know it's a weird number. Um, so anyway, they they reached out and sent those sent these to me. Um, so yeah, I've I've shot them a couple times. I'll be we'll be testing them this weekend, doing some I training. Will. I will be testing them this weekend. Uh, dropping them on the ground, so on and so forth. And I will of, be dropping them on the ground, kind of just seeing how they respond. I will be seeing how. They <laughs> <laughs> why aren't you doing this whole thing then well because i haven't tested them <laughs> apparently you have but tomorrow i am doing a class with sean yep and i will be using this glock 17 i'm bringing these magazines with uh we're going to be shooting from basically nine to five so quite a bit of shooting hopefully and uh you know we'll see how they how they uh hold up that's really cool that's awesome yeah, I like the too. So anyway, Jagaman, uh, you may recognize the name Jagaman because they're actually well, well known in the firearms industry for making brass for ammunition. Uh, they make the cases that people use. Hmm. Yeah. So this is what they're known I for. I didn't know that. They're actually branching out into this. It's uh, Jagaman Sporting Group. You can look them up. J-A-G-E-M-A-N-N.com. You can see all of the kind of stuff that they do there. But uh, these are only available at Natchez Shooting Supplies right now. But, uh, you know, I think I think they're interesting. I think they're low cost. We'll see how they how they hold up in uh, some real training. Mm. You agree? I do. OK, well, how about this? Let's talk about my buddy, Jake. Let's talk about him. Well, he's a ginger. He is a ginger. Um, I feel like he does have a soul, though. Do you? No. Yeah, I don't either. OK, I was question. like, <laughs> I was like the joke's over the prank call. I mean, no, no, forget it. Doesn't have a soul. Uh, because he is a ginger, but what he does have is some pretty awesome products. What's the name of his company? I forget. Huntac Gear. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I thought it was mandresses.com. <laughs> I thought it was a uh, pregnant woman in a kilt. Dot <laughs> <laughs> net. <laughs> but no, it's not. It's Huntac Gear. And Jake's making some pretty cool stuff over there. Uh, he has the handguard that, uh, if you're looking to make an AR that's under five pounds, I definitely recommend using the V1 series, the handguard, the upper, um, and you put that with, you pair it with a Faxon pencil barrel, and you're looking at, I mean, I think it weighs like ounces. Yeah, I definitely it's, like it's the V1 stuff. It's crazy how light it is. So if you guys, and I know that that's, that's kind of the thing to do right now. Um, so if you're looking to, to build a five-pound AR, or something that's within that weight range, I would definitely look at Huntac Gear's products. Um, he also makes a lot of hunting stuff. They have the, oh, we're on their website right now. You know what that is? I know, but are we even allowed to say? Well, is it on their website? It's a picture, but there's no products listed. All right, how about this? Why don't you go to huntacgear.com? And look at the, uh, the, the V1 Signature Series picture, and you might see some stuff that might be coming up pretty soon that we've been privy to, but we're not allowed to talk about. Interesting. Yeah. And while you're there, order some stuff, whether it's hunting stuff or just stuff to deck out your modern sporting rifle. Uh, they sell all kinds of stuff. Uh, Anderson stuff, CMMG, all their custom V1 Series, the Orion uh, chest rig and all that good stuff. But yeah, go to their V1 Signature Series page and see... Well, what may or may not be coming out very, very soon. I don't know if it's out there as a mistake, but his folly is your benefit. <laughs> and while you guys are shopping, use GunFunny10 to receive 10% off. Yeah, 10% off. That's an awesome deal. We're all upgrading our ARs all the time. So use that to save your money because listeners to GunFunny never pay full price. That's right. Not even at Starbucks. You know what time it is? Uh, Time to... 
go enjoy my weekend? No, it's 6.14 p.m. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So it, it, was since, a, it was a rhetorical question. Since Lacey isn't here. Who? Yeah, Lacey, you know, the third person that mm. usually does the show with us. Never heard of him. Okay, well, <laughs> why don't you just do us all a favor and try to read the iTunes? Are or, you? Actually, I feel like it's not even iTunes reviews. Are you afraid to read the iTunes reviews? Should I? I'm going to read it. No, I'm going to read it. I think Watch you're this. afraid. I think you're scared. All right. So, guys, here's the thing. We haven't had any new iTunes reviews. Wait a second. Are you kidding me? Hold on. That was me racking the slide of my Glock 17. <laughs> okay. I got to shoot that tomorrow, so don't hurt her. <laughs> it's... It's my gun, and it's not a girl. <laughs> it's a boy. No, it's transgendered CIS <laughs> pansexual. Guys, something. so listen, we haven't had any iTunes reviews. I don't know why, but... Are you uh, mad at us? Yeah, I know. Are you guys not listening to us? No, they're listening. I see the download numbers, but are they mad at us? Maybe, perhaps. Okay, well, maybe they should tell us in iTunes why yeah. they're mad at us. So as long as it's five stars, that's totally fine. Yeah, but we do have some Facebook reviews. Lots of them. And we just recently activated Facebook reviews. Very recently. So, uh, so far, we have Krista. She gave us a five stars. Five and stars. it says, my favorite firearms-related podcast. Love hearing more women's voices in the industry. Oh, Sean. <laughs> uh, but th- do you love hearing Regina's voice? Because that's really what I'm like asking about right now. And it says, loads of funny content and great interviews. That's right. Thanks, girl. And then there's David. And he gave us a five star, uh, five stars as well. And he says, great host, good guest. In general, I can't stand gun podcasts, but this definitely, but this definitely the exception. It's okay that he can't write. Yeah, he forgot that it is. That's <laughs> the problem, I think, when I read is my uh, my whole English Degree yeah. kicks into gear, and oh, then I'm like, there brag. should be a, yeah. But ha- anyway. Hashtag English degree. Ha- hashtag four-year college. Uh, hashtag uh, bullseye shooter. Oh. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag white girl. Hashtag Jew girl. Okay. Hashtag leave us some goddamn reviews at iTunes and Facebook. Leave one, leave both, but leave them for sure. Um, All right. Let's wrap up. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's six p.m., six thirty, almost six thirty on a Friday. Yeah, I know. Well, like, uh, you're going to be in bed some, by seven thirty. No, some of us are actually popular within the community. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Uh, not al- me. You almost got that out with the straight face. That's awesome. <laughs> but hey, you can find us all over the place. You know, you can find us at gunfunny.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes. You can find us at firearmsradio.tv on the Firearms Radio Network. And if you miss us that much, you could become a patron and get access to our Patreon-only Facebook page, which we are active on every day. We're always posting little funny videos and uh, all kinds of fun stuff is going on there. Yeah, you won't be able to miss us because we never leave. Yeah, we're always on there. I feel like the Patreon group is basically the make fun of Sean group. It kind of is, yeah. Uh, There's still a lot of women in that group. It's starting to even out a little bit. But anyways, if you guys want to become a Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. Right now, we have uh, we have a $25 Patreon. What is his name? Corbin Bonafide. Thank you, Corbin. And then King of the Patreons is still... Wait, what is King of the Patreons? Oh, okay. So King of the Patreons is if uh, whoever is our top Patreon... So whoever is pledging the most money at the time, they get a little spot. And in this case, it's Ricardo's bum bag still. Uh, this is what, three weeks in a row? Yeah, I think he's, he's running away top. with it. Uh, all you guys need to do is go a dollar above him. Uh, and you can basically, if you have a company, you can have us read uh, you know, a sentence or two and your URL. So it's a nice, inexpensive way for you to get your message out there to many thousands of people who listen to the show. But in this case, in Ricardo's bum bag's case... He just wants us to say Ricardo's bum bag. Ricardo's bum bag. Ricardo's bum bag. <laughs> hey, let me tell you this. <laughs> I don't know why he's talking about my scrotum all the time, but I don't like it. <laughs> all right, guys. If you want to do that, go to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. We'd love to have you. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Yeah, absolutely. And guess what? We'll be back next week, just like we were this week, just like we'll be the week after that. You can't get rid of us. Nope. We're never going to leave. We're like herpes. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>